Well, good morning, beloved. Good morning to all of you. I bring you greetings from Fresno, California, from Campus Bible Church, and from the folks at Jaron Ministries International. Many of them are in foreign countries right now ministering. And I also bring you greetings from your pastor, who's called me two or three times already, hoping everything works well. Would you just remind him everything is fine? Amen? Amen. Amen. And we want he and Marcia to just enjoy their vacation and their anniversary and and come back healthy from swine flu. No, come back healthy and happy and ready to minister again. We love them so much. I love this church. And I love your pastor. And I love the way this church loves its pastor. I am just blessed. Uh, It is my privilege to not only be a senior pastor at, at Campus Bible Church, but also to witness what God is doing around the world. Uh, Pastor Dale and I have traveled. We just uh, recently came back from the Philippines, as you remember, and we'll be going off to other countries as well because he's an adjunct minister and missionary with Jaron Ministries, so we get the privilege of teaching other pastors around the world, and uh, we're thrilled at that. But in our quest to somehow serve pastors and church leaders around the world, obviously the subject of servant leadership comes up. In fact, it doesn't matter where I go, that subject comes up, even in the secular world. I'm privileged to teach even in the military and police officials in South Africa and so forth, where this subject is very important. And yet, though the subject is important, the practice is wanting. The fact is, when all is said and done, there's a lot more said than done when it comes to servant leadership. So I want to bring to you a 2,000-year-old message that, that still needs to be learned. The ancient philosopher Seneca said it so well when he said, a thing is not too often repeated which isn't sufficiently learned. I want to invite you this morning, if you have your Bibles, to turn to the 13th chapter of the Gospel of John. Probably one of the most popular passages in all the Word of God, that familiar passage that talks about Jesus stooping and washing the feet of his disciples. The subject, of course, is really servant leadership. And somehow I am praying that though you have heard perhaps this message before in some other fashion from some other person, it's not some five foot six and a quarter pastor from Fresno, but maybe somebody else. And somehow I'm asking God to give us a fresh look at this passage because the longest journey in the world is 18 inches, not around the globe but from our head to our heart. Amen? Amen. And so with that in mind, I want to have us read together John 13. But before we do, some background. A couple of years ago, I had the joy of visiting Naples, Italy. Outside of the city in Naples is the ancient city of Pompeii. Pompeii, as you know, in 79 AD, was buried by the volcanic ash of Mount Vesuvius. It was buried for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years until Napoleon comes on the scene. Napoleon decides to have his soldiers start to excavate the city. As they do, they are amazed to find, and we are still excavating the city, people still sitting at the table, now enshrouded, if you will, in volcanic ash, sitting at their tables or walking in their dogs or whatever it is that they did in that day. And we get to see life as it really was 
2,000 years ago. And I walked the streets of Pompeii. It's quite a large city, relatively speaking. And I walked those streets, and the Romans were famous for their roads, as you remember, but, but don't think of them as our roads. Uh, these ancient roads, though very, very sturdy, were also very, very dirty. They were filled with muck. And remember, in those days, people wore open-toed sandals. And yet, when they walked on the streets of Pompeii, their ankles would be ankle-deep, if you will, in manure and, and dirt and garbage and, 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 and just absolutely amazing. And in fact, encrusted in human waste. You see, in those days, they didn't have toilets like we know them. Some of the homes actually did have indoor plumbing, but most used what we would now call a honeypot. A, a honeypot, where you would just use that pot. I won't go into details here. And after you were done using the pot, you would throw it out into the street. And that's what people walked in and through. So it shouldn't be a surprise that at the door of every house, as you see on screen here, there would be a pot, if you will, filled with water in which you could dip your feet and wash your feet in order to enter the home with clean feet. In wealthy homes, they would have a slave stationed at the door. We might want to call him a honeypot slave today. It was the most menial task that any slave could be assigned to. He was the toilet cleaning slave. And that's exactly what John the Baptist is referring to when in John chapter 1, verse 27, and he's speaking about Jesus now, he says, It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. He's saying I'm not worthy to be a toilet slave and even touch the manure-encrusted toes of the Son of God. I feel like that, don't you? And yet in the midst of this, we find something happening here. Back to John chapter 13. Now the disciples living in that day and age with open-toed sandals, walking in manure-encrusted and grimy streets, would walk up to a room. We call it now the upper room. Those of you that went to Israel with us stood right there at that middle pillar right there. Because it was so crowded, I wasn't able to speak that day or Pastor Dale, but I would have told you the story about those disciples who came into that room not excited at all, certainly had not taken the time to wash their own feet, let alone wash each other's feet. In fact, they entered that room arguing over who among them would be the greatest when Jesus ushered in his kingdom. In fact, two of them got their mother in on the thing. As you remember, Mama goes to, Mama of James and John goes to Jesus and says, hey, uh, I've got a great idea. Why don't you make my precious boys your top kingdom men? Isn't that just like us? We are often willing to fight for the throne, but not reach for the towel. But not so, Jesus Christ. And I want to take some time this morning to talk about the Lord of the towel. And I want to invite you to stand with me out of respect for God's Word, and let's read together John chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. I'm reading from the updated version of the New American Standard. So would you follow along on screen with me in case you don't have that version in hand? Join me, please. Now, before the feast of the Passover, 
Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments. And taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin, began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Please be seated. I want you to imagine the scene that day as Jesus would strip down to his undergarments, still very modest, and he would gird himself with a simple towel. He would then take a basin of sorts and he would get on his knees without saying a word. He would place it on the ground and he would wash 12 sets, 120 manure-encrusted toes. Can you imagine putting your hands in that kind of filth? And he washed each foot, each toe. When he came to Peter, there probably was one missing because Peter spent so much of his time with his foot in his mouth. And it probably took him at least a half an hour. And he didn't say one word. Can you imagine being a disciple that day? Here is the Lord of glory acting like a honeypot slave. Imagine. But I want to tell you something. He wasn't there to wash their smelly feet. He was dealing with their smelly hearts. And he wants to do the same with you and me. You see, earlier Jesus had spoken about the same thing. He tried to talk to them about it. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 through 28, when he said, Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. But now he said nothing. Why? Because this was his parable without words. This was, he had hoped, a visual aid that they would never forget, or that you and I would never forget, yet we have forgotten it. And we talk about it and preach about it. We teach it to our children, but too many of us have forgotten the message of John 13. And so I want to share with you the life principles from Jesus' parable without words. Principle number one, the more menial the task, the more love is demonstrated. Say that with me. The more menial the task, the more love is demonstrated. And principle number two, The path to glory begins on our knees with a towel. Again, say that with me. The path to glory begins 
on our knees with a towel. The passage continues in verse 6. So he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. You know what he was saying? He's saying, Simon Peter, you don't get this servant leadership thing yet, but someday you will. And that's my great hope, because frankly, I stand before you admitting, I don't get it yet. I don't get it all yet. There's too much of me, and there needs to be more of him, amen? But someday... I will, and someday you will, and we best start learning it now because it's what we will do in heaven. Peter responds in verse 9, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. He doesn't get it. In other words, he's saying, Lord, give me a bath. And I love Jesus' response in verse 10 and following. Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but it's completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right. For so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet... You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should also do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who was sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. And immediately we want to rush to the Christology of this passage and talk about the Lord of glory and his marvelous attributes and humility. But it goes even beyond that. It goes to ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church, and what you and I are to do as the people of God, as the saints, as people who have been called by God and chosen in the beloved. When God reached into the flock of man and called us to be his own, he didn't just call us to be his own so we could experience all the benefits, but also so that we would respond to his destiny and his calling in our lives. His call for us to be people of the towel. And oh, how much we need men and women of the towel at home and at the church and in the community. We need mothers of the towel. We need fathers of the towel. We need husbands and wives of the towel. We need church people of the towel. So I want to spend the rest of our time together, as brief as it is, just reminding us of what it looks like to be people of the towel. First, I want to be like the Lord of the towel and remind us that people of the towel know who they really are. You see it in verse 16. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. And, and I guess I could spend the time talking about all the wonderful things that we are in Christ as heirs of promise and and joint heirs in Christ, and recipients of eternal life, and children of the King. But we are nonetheless 
slaves of God, servants of men. See, that's the essence of servant leadership, is recognizing who we are. I am a slave of God and servant of men. Say that with me. I am a slave of God and servant of men. I love this church, but I hate your airport. I love coming here, but I hate your toll booths. I've gotten two tickets. I didn't know which lane to be in. They're only 70-cent tickets. It took me an hour to pay them. I'm a slave of God and servant of men. And i got to tell you, I need to be reminded of that when I go home this afternoon. Then when I get to a busy O'Hare airport, that I'm a slave of God, a servant of men. That my first priority is not to get back to Fresno. My first priority is to serve the living God. And if there's somebody behind me with three children and large bags, then I need to say as a slave of God and servant of men, go ahead, ma'am. And I need to give up my seat as a slave of God and servant of men because that's what Jesus would do. I need to give up my right to a lane. Give up my right to a seat. Give up my right to a flight and give up my rights in life in general. Amen? Amen. We fight for our rights to the point where we forget that we're slaves of God and servants of men. And I got to tell you where it's most difficult in the church. Oh, to be with all the saints in heaven, that will be glory. But to live with all the saints on earth, that's another story. Number two, people of the towel must get up from the table. Look at verse four. He got up from supper. So simple, so profound. He got up. He didn't sit there and smell and go, oh, whoa, gross. We've got a stench problem. Ring, ring. Hey, honeypot slave, get in here. I'm the Lord of glory. Peter, wash the feet. He didn't say to John, the youngest of the apostles, hey, you're the youngest, serve the eldest, start washing some toes. He didn't say, I am the son of God, I don't do toes. He got up. He saw the need, got up from the table, and did what no one else wanted to do or was willing to do for themselves, let alone others. I mean, the Bible says that you and I are to be doers of the word and not just hearers out of James. The passage alludes to what we call the akuates, the professional listeners in, in the ancient Middle East. They would go and listen to the Stoic or the Epicurean philosophers. They would go to Mars Hill and, and the Areopagus in Greece, and they would hear all the professional speakers giving all their professional philosophies to people who were listening to professional stuff, and no one was doing anything about what they were heard. Professional listeners, and I have to tell you, the church of Jesus Christ around the world is filled with professional listeners. Wasn't that a great sermon Pastor Dale preached? Wasn't that a great message my Sunday school teacher taught? So what if it doesn't go from the head to the heart and out into the lives of others? You get up from the table. You get up from the TV. You get up from the computer. You get up from the golf game. You get up from your easy chair. You get up from your high position as a leader and do what is needed. 
And if this is an average church, then 80% of the people are watching. 20% do all the work. There's an old expression I asked, why doesn't somebody do something? Then I remembered, I'm a somebody. Would you turn to a person sitting next to you and say, you're a somebody, get up from the table. What we should say is get up from the table and go to the kiosk and sign up for something. (laughs) Thirdly, people of the towel lay aside their self-oriented pride. Now, I don't want to spiritualize verse 4, and I'm in danger of doing that. I don't want to eisegete and read into the text. I want to exegete and read out of the text what it's really saying. But it says Jesus laid aside his garments, and yet... I would suggest to you and submit to you today that we all need to lay aside some garments of pride. Some, some garments of self-orientation. Some, some garments of if it's my way or the highway. To lay aside those garments in, in order to be an effective servant leader and man or woman of the towel. We're going to have to lay aside and take off the attitude or what we say in California is we're going to have to get rid of the tude. We're going to have to get rid of that spirit. And you know what that involves? Dying to self. And once again, lots of preaching about dying to self, just not a lot of dying to self. A lot of singing about dying to self, just not a lot of dying to self. What does it mean? It means treating yourself as not so important. That flies in the face of Americanism, doesn't it? Some of us have forgotten how we got where we got. I love the story of the pastor when he was first preaching. Brand new pastor, and he would get up just shaken, so afraid and so humble. But then he got experienced. Began to become experienced in hermeneutics and homiletics, and he got good at it. And this time he walked up the stage and with such arrogance. The only problem was they bombed. And he walked down so humbly. And one of the old elders said to him, you know, if you had gone up the way you came down, you would have come down the way you got up. Don't let me try to repeat that, okay? God has to remind us where we came from. John 15 says, apart from me, you can do nothing. People of the towel laying aside their self-oriented pride brings us now to number four. People of the towel clothe themselves with humility. If I had the time, I would take you to the ancient philosophers, to the Epicureans, the Stoics, the Roman, the Greek philosophers. What is fascinating about that, there's one common trait. In ancient philosophy, the attribute of humility was considered a shameful trait. How unlike Jesus who in verse 4 of John 13 says he girded himself, took off his clothes, girded himself with a towel. Philippians 2 tells us that he even emptied himself of his glory. And he didn't just empty himself of his glory in heaven and take on a bondservant of men. He even went farther to become a honeypot slave. 
even lower than the average man, the lowest, the most menial of the slaves. How low can you go? There is no lower. From glory to manure-encrusted toes, the Son of God. Augustine of Hippo, the 4th century theologian, said this, the first step to heaven is humility. The second step, humility. The third step, everybody, humility. Daily we have to put on the heart garments of a humble slave and touch the least of these. We've forgotten that in the midst of all this wonderful high-tech Christianity. We've become low-touch. And I fear for the church around the world. And we're as high-tech as you guys are. We love all that stuff. But I have to tell you, in our quest for being technologically sound, we best not forget the importance of touch. Amen? Touching the least of these. People of the towel, number five, are willing to do the menial jobs. Look at verse five again. Then he poured water into the basin, began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. We all would love to do great things for God. If I could give you a list of all these amazing and great things you could do, would you be willing to travel around the world? Sure. But would you be willing to wash some feet? Well, that's another story. And yet it is true. It is a great thing to do a little thing well. Or as we said earlier, the more menial the task, the more love is demonstrated. See, that's what Christianity is. It's Christianity with its working clothes on. It's that cup of water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to tell you what I did. And somebody said, thank you for the message at the last service. And I I said, well, listen, I, I did this for me. I wrote this message for me. And if it ministers to you, fine. But I want to tell you, when I was going through, we spent 130 weeks in the Gospel of John. And I got to John 30, and I was a broken man. A broken man. And I ran out a list of things that I wasn't willing to do for Christ. It's a hard list. What I wasn't willing to do, and one of them was changing diapers. Because I've done my time with 23 foster kids and three daughters, and now they're married, and you know what I get to do? Sit in my easy chair and hand them a smelly kid here. Or hand it to the sons-in-laws because it's good for them here. Well, maybe for you, it's a feeding a homeless person. Or maybe you don't do toilets. Or maybe you don't stuff worship folders. Or maybe you don't do a bunch of things. Or maybe it's the giving of your tithes and offerings. You say, wait a minute, that's not a little thing. Oh, yes, it is. It's not your money. You get the privilege of giving what isn't yours. One Sunday morning at Campus Bible Church in Fresno, I actually said to the people, I want you to stand and reach in the pocket of the person in front of you and give like you always wanted to give. (laughs) It's not ours. It's God's. And people of the towel learn that quickly. Number six, people of the towel don't play favorites. Look at this picture. A mother bird stepping on one to feed the other. How unlike Jesus, huh? I mean, you've got to understand, in that room that night was Peter, who denied him, Judas, who betrayed him, the others who ran from him in fear, even the apostle John eventually 
was hiding in the upper room for fear. Don't give him all the credit of being this brave young apostle. Eventually, he was like the rest. And Jesus washed all of their feet. Let's be honest. We all have our favorite people. We all have our people that we like to minister to and those that we don't. Maybe for you, it's that smelly homeless person with a sign that says, we'll work for food and You made it to the ranks of poverty, to the wealth that you enjoy because of hard work. And and so your tood is that somehow he should be able to get what you have. That's your tood. And Jesus says, get rid of the tood. Or maybe it's that drug addict with tats from head to toe. If you don't know what tat is, it's a tattoo. Or maybe it's a mouthy teenager or a spoiled kid. Or maybe it's your own kid. Over the years, we've had 23 foster children. They don't come into our home normal. They're filled with chaos, and chaos is is their normal. And what a great privilege that we had, and my wife is extremely gifted at this. And I remember watching my wife spend six hours pulling out knits, lice, out of a little girl's hair. And brushing her hair so she wouldn't have to have all of her head shaved. Six hours. She did it with every girl that we had. Amazes me. Kids that would scratch themselves and throw up on us and do all these things. Wasn't easy. I remember one little guy who was five years old. Little Jose. was beat to a pulp by an uncle. We got him from the hospital. We spent the first night just cradling him as he wept because he'd never been held appropriately. The next night, we brought him to church with us. It was Awana night, so we brought him to Awana. I had an elders meeting, and, and uh, suddenly I hear this rumble going on. I go, what in the world's going on? I go out there, and they said, well, let me tell you what happened. He memorized his first Awana verse. One of the Awana leaders gave him a pencil. Well, that's great. Well, let's finish the story. One of the kids stole his pencil, okay? Well, he started cussing. And it emptied out the auditorium. It was in our gymnasium. There are a few hundred people there, and it got quiet as he let out a string of profanities that most adults wouldn't know. And everybody said, whose kid is that? And somebody shouted, it's the pastor's. (laughs) People of the towel don't play favorites. Amen? Number seven, people of the towel admit they need cleansing. Verse eight, if I do not wash you, Jesus said, you have no part with me. Verse 10, you are clean, but not all of you. Now he's talking about soteriology, the doctrine of salvation, with the two aspects of that, that all of us need full cleansing of salvation, but then after that, we need the daily cleansing of sanctification. And 1 John 1, 9, you know it. If we confess, if we agree with God about our sin, He is faithful and just. He is righteous to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us. Catharsis is the Greek word from all unrighteousness. You and I as people of the towel need to be daily cleansed or we will never serve as servant leaders. Pride will kick in. And that's why we need to be reminded of what I call the act of repentance very quickly. And that's admitting my sin. The Greek word metanoeo, bringing it to the front of the mind. And then homologeo, confessing our sin, getting at our mouths. 
and agreeing with God about that sin. And finally, epistrepho, turning from that sin. Metanoeo, homologeo, epistrepho, admitting, confessing, turning. Everybody admitting, confessing, and turning daily because people of the towel have to stay actively connected to the Lord of the towel. Number eight, people of the towel seek to serve the way the Lord of the towel served. That it's not an attitude that says it's my way or the highway, but the attitude that says it's his way or it's the wrong way. Verse 12, do you know what I have done to you? Jesus is saying, do you get it, guys? He goes on to say in verse 14, if I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I gave you an example that you should also do as I did to you. I don't want you to just talk the talk. I don't even want you to just walk the walk. I want you to wash some toes. And he's not there telling them how. You know, you start with a big toe. You know, this little piggy went to market. No. You come into everything you do for the Lord with a heart of somebody who is a man or a woman of the towel. You come with a heart of self-sacrifice. That's to be our life message and a message that we want to even follow us after we're dead as a legacy to our children and our grandchildren. I don't want somebody to say of you, well, he or she was a great captain of industry. I want them to say that you are a person of the towel. That's what I want my kids to say. Not that my dad or my grandfather was a great pastor or a missionary. But that he was a servant. A slave of God and a servant of men. Number nine, people of the towel are blessed. Jesus said in verse 17, if you know these things, and the implication of the text is, and you do, you are blessed. You are fulfilled if you do them. Now, I don't venture to guess what's going to go on in heaven. The Bible says, I hath not uh, seen, ear hath not heard all that God has in store for us. But I do believe there's going to be some people of the towel awards. And I don't expect to be in the front of the line. I just want to be in the line. And I think we're going to be surprised to see who's in the front of the line because it's probably not going to be some of the famous Christians that we know throughout history who have drawn our attention. It might be that smelly street worker in Bombay, India. I think we're going to be surprised. And all I'm asking is, Lord, do something in my life and my heart. I just want to be in line for a people of the towel award. Anybody with me? Raise your hand. So where do we go from here? Is this just another holy huddle, another guest speaker that we get to ignore? I don't want to do that. I didn't come for that. I flew in and come flying right out. Why? Because I love you. And I, and I, I want to tell you that we're going to do something practical about this. In your worship folder was a um, towel. Okay, take it out at this time. You thought we were going to serve you a steak dinner afterwards. I want you to hold it up quickly. Okay, I want to see it. Very good. Let me tell you what we're going to do with this. Steps to becoming people of God. I want you to place it in John 13. Place it right there if you have your Bibles. 
And then what I want you to do is I want you to find a need and fill it. Do something you hate doing and do it with a smile. Step two, I want you to wash your hands with a towel after you've done it. I want you to wash your hands. And then thirdly, I want you to throw it away. That's right. I don't want you to make a shrine out of it. Put it in your living room with a candle on it going, Oh, Lord, aren't you lucky you made me? (laughs) Invite friends to come in. Oh, look at how dirty my towel is. Throw it away. Because there's plenty more where that came from. Amen? Number four, get another towel and do it again. With the principles in mind, the more menial the task, the more love is demonstrated. The path to glory begins on our knees with a towel. So our daily prayer for ourselves, our daily prayer for others is simply this. Lord, help us become people of the towel. Can you say that with me, please, as we close? Lord, help us become people of the towel. Make it so, Lord Jesus. And God's people said, amen.